you have to. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 50th episode of Your Heroes of Noise. I'm only one half of this awesome duo. My name is Steve. Greetings, salutations, happy new year, everyone. My name is Dan Ramirez. Welcome to the Heroes of Noise. Special show today, little top 10 action. Steve, I assume you've done your homework? You already know. How about yourself? Oh, of course. You know I did it. But it was a little, it was harder than I thought it was going to be, man. I'm just, I like <laughs> Already. As I talked to you about this, but eh. <laughs> this guy, right? You'd think new year, new me. Not Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance, homie. Not a chance. Let me turn this down a little bit. But you know what? I think you're right, though. I know what you were going to go say, but uh, why was it a little bit more difficult for you to actually do this this year? You know, I think there was a lot of good choices this year. Yes. We didn't really do a top 10 last year. We just sort of did our, like, a recap. And this year, having that many choices, dude, was like, there was an alarming number of movies that came out that were just fantastic. So it was a really Mm -hmm. hard choice. I was doing it all the way up until recording today, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. See, I was doing it all the way up till last night, and I think you know why last night. And I'm glad you told me this. Uh, Dan made it a point to say, hey, there's certain movies you have to see before you make this list, and I got to see one of them last night, and I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you pushed that envelope saying, look, dude, you really need to go see this movie before you make this list, and I'm very glad that you did. I can't. Now my list, it feels complete. It feels totally complete. I cannot wait to go through it. I have no doubt that's going to be high up on your list just because I know the kind of movies you like. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. And now we're going to actually get into this fairly fast. But before we do, I know Dan loves to receive letters of love, joy, peace, and uh, pomp and circumstance and frankincense (laughs) and myrrh. And there's only one way you could possibly do that. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Oh, yes, sir. You know, the funny thing is you want to hear a funny thing? It's aromatic. I just talked about a bunch of aromatics and you said, oh, sniff. I just want to point that out. Oh, wait. I think I'm going to leave it there. Go ahead. Go through the content. You know, (laughs) I don't even want to mess up that awesomeness right there. That's perfect. I don't know about awesome. I'm in to do that, John. Yeah, I know. I know. This is how you do things, right? So, Steve, before we get going here, because it is a new year, you know, I know you've had a lot of time off. You've been on vacation. How was your vacation, by the way? Not over yet. Um, but so far it's very pleasant. I think I need, um, what they say as a staycation and just doing nothing for as much as possible. But you've gotten your rest, right? You've had some downtime. Dude, dude, I really, and it turns out you really need it. You really need a break from the, um, monotony, you know, to, to, to be able to just say, okay, because for a while, just, I'm sure that you had that situation where you just go work, go home, go to work, go home, go to work, go home. It becomes this thing where it's like a conveyor belt. And now I kind of broke the conveyor belt. And I get to talk to my homie. And I got to chill at your house yesterday and see your awesome family and your pooch danooches. What a wonderful week. That's preparation for next week's show, which we will talk about in just a little bit. But what I was getting at, Steve, is because you've had all this downtime, I'm sure you got that card ready to go with the brand new contact info song, right? Just go ahead and play it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know if they're going to be able to hear it. But um, it, because the uh, audio is so dope that I have to put it at a certain frequency that's heard over the airwaves. And it's hard mm. because the dopeness is like, it's one of those things where only dogs can kind of hear it because yeah. the dopeness is crazy. Sure. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm kind of tinkering with, with, with the sound wave uh, files in the DBs. You know, that's 
So let's talk. That's music talk. DBs and such. Yeah, yeah I know. You're a DB, all right. So, translation. Steve did not do his homework again, ladies and gentlemen, so I am ready to go with the interim contact info bed. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to it. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Heroes of Noise, episode 50. My name is Dan Ramirez, and I'm at your service. Let's begin. If you want to get a hold of the show, please contact us, will you? Hit us up at heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. On the Twitters, hit us up at heroesofnoise. You can reach me, Dan, at danqpublic. My buddy Steve, at se underscore Hudson Music. And you can get us over on Facebook as well, at heroesofnoise. Don't bother with any of that, actually. Just go over. Go on over to www.heroesofnoise.com. I dare you. I'll go ahead and wait for you. Hey, all right, here you are. And then you can leave us a voicemail. You can subscribe to the show. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You name it, that's where we're going to be. Check out our friends down at the Pods of Justice section. You can just scroll on down. Go ahead, I'll wait again. All right, you're there. And see all those lovely people right there? Do me a favor. Hit them up. Subscribe to their shows. They're lovely people. They've got plenty to offer. And you know what? We've got plenty to offer, too. This is actually the show that we've been waiting for for a while. It's our top ten, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to give it to you right now. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn it on over to one, Steve, crazy-looking, blah-blah, Hudson. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause, will you? That's right. Steve, it's all you. I am that guy. You know what's funny? Uh, this week, Favon came and stayed with me. And she got, listened to our podcast and got real serious real fast. Oh, yeah. And, she's like, and she said, hey, it was so funny. She's like, but I did hit you up about that Mary Poppins. She took umbrage. Like, yeah. She, I think there's a, um, there's a special place in her heart for Mary. Who knows? Scary, as you name her. Scary Poppins. And so uh, I am very, I have not seen this email yet, but she's like, oh no, I went this morning. I'm talking about like at 4.35 in the morning. She was going and uh, she, uh, she made, apparently she made it happen because we have an email. Yeah. You want me to go ahead and hit that up then? Let's do it. All right. So this comes from Favon. Heroes. Now I know you want to make Mary Poppins a witch. But why can't she just be a fairy or an angel like myself, she says? Magical creatures aren't the only evil. Sheesh. You can't just automatically rule out all good creatures. And it's okay that she is only practically perfect because it's all about choice. She chooses good over evil. And remember, Satan started out as an angel and he chose to be like, forget this. I'm going to be evil. Does that, how that is how it works. You see, I'm not the it most did. religious person in the world. So I've heard, it did work like that. I've heard rumors. A more practical answer would be the dad is an alcoholic and he just couldn't take the pressures of not being able to take care of his family. He gets drunk, passes out, hits his head, and gets a concussion. This causes him to hallucinate. And uh, I think she's saying I'm just saying there. Those are my thoughts. I'm out. Favon. All right. Family first. Go ahead. Um, here's what I'll say. Favon, love the, first of all, love the email problem with that is and here's the only issue i uh she could be an angel i i get the angel situation but um there are certain things that she does do that make it witch-like for instance um i believe i don't know for sure but i don't believe angels make concoctions for people to drink in order to heal themselves that's more of a witch type thing um I don't think that an angel would come back 50 years later 
having not aged because the goal of an angel would be to make them not know that she's an angel. They'd probably age themselves. You know, I, I would think. Um, but and all I think the ultimate thing is it has to be a situation where um, in order for me to believe that she's an angel, there has to be some sort of uh, God link. Talk about God or something. Be like, I have to go back to my father. Because angels technically really, really obviously revere God. And she didn't say anything about him. So I got to go witch. What about you? I'm going witch. Yeah, there's definitely black magic afoot. And, and, I, and this is why. Again, angels don't make concoctions, right? And mm-hmm. they don't do like magic spells. And they don't say things like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which to me is True. a satanic incantation. So, I, yes. Fa- sure. So, Favon, um, thanks for playing. However... I'm going to have to give you one of these because Mary Poppins is a goddamn witch. All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Thanks for writing. Happy New Year. We missed, I missed you already, Favon. I know she wanted to go off for, um, to chill with you and uh, Gail, but we never got around to it. Yeah. Well, you know, Steve, you're a procrastinator, so I'm assuming that's probably why. I'm just kidding. That bro. is probably almost definitely <laughs> That's why. probably definitely why. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that is. Now, here's my question to you, Dan. Yes, sir. Are you ready for Heroes of Noise Top 10 of 2018? Well, I am. It's more like I'm ready for Heroes of Noise Top 10 Movies of 2018. Doesn't that sound better? You really actually got me pumped. That kind of like juiced me now. I'm ready now, baby. Let's go. Dan, what is your top 10 movie of 2018 for the heroes of no... Well, you have to do it. Number 10. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I think I'm going to do that now. Why not? So, all right. So the first one, man. Okay, again, I want to say first and foremost that I have been messing with these constantly for the last few days. It's very hard for me to decide, but this is my most recent top 10. And being that we had to put this out, this is what I'm going with. Okay. Okay. Yes. So number 10 is a movie that I've talked about all year, at least since I've Uh seen it. I didn't really know where to place it. I'm just glad that it's in. Okay. So what I'm talking about is a movie that was produced, co-produced by Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith. You may remember we did an interview with them and this is not why it's in the top 10. Okay. Because there's no favoritism. I'm just saying that I like the movie this much. And the movie that I'm talking about is Summer of 84, Steve. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. The targets appear to be males aged 12 to 16. It's a serial killer. The caveman chronicle received a letter from an individual calling themselves the caveman slayer. There's a serial killer on the loose. What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. 12 o'clock. Guys, Nikki Keshuba. Scientifically the perfect woman. Huh. Better view of my room than I thought. Silly dreams. Emergency meeting. Treehouse. Now. Mackie is the Kate May Slayer. Mackie's a cop with a sick reputation. Wasn't counting on us. That's blood. David. Hey. Guys, I'm freaking out, okay? Relax. You look like you're 30. It's gonna be fine. You're gonna get caught either by Mackie or your dad. I know. I'm right about it. That doesn't prove anything. Are you with me? I don't want anything bad to happen to you. We're trying to save people. Yeah, well, you're not. Guys at the station are going to love this. <laughs> Just let it go. Sorry again that you're uh, grounded. Let's see if I can get you out of this house. No hard feelings. You were wrong. You were wrong about everything. Even serial killers live next door to somebody.
Nice, brother. That's a good choice. I, I'm sure it's going to be in a lot of people's top tens, but I don't know if there's some surprise. Are you surprised that I put that movie in? No, no. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, you, you, you were really. Here's the thing. You loved the movie from the first time. You, I'm like, you, like you were like saying, "Hey, you really have to watch this movie." And there was never a question of whether it was going to make your top ten or not. No, no, I liked it. I still think that it had a, a bit of an unfair, though understandable, comparison to Stranger Things and movies of the like, shows of the like. But there's just something about this one that set it so far apart from the rest, and it was the level of suspense that it had. It was the ending that came with it. The acting was phenomenal, and I think they just did a fantastic job with the limit. I don't know if it was a limited budget, but it wasn't like this big, mass-produced, green screen using kind of a movie. You know, lots of practical effects and uh, actors that are more or less unknown. You know, you don't see them in every movie these days, and I think that you that's going to change actually. So, summer of '84 definitely in my top ten, and it's coming in at number ten. Dope. No, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Um. My choice is a little less. No, no one's had it in their top ten, and I get, I get. I'm no. You know what? I don't get why. I don't understand. I thought it was a fantastic movie. My number ten movie is Upgrade, directed by Lee Whannell. As a quadriplegic, must be frustrating for you, someone who likes to get things done with their hands. Here's the thing. Poor guys murdered my wife. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. Can anybody else hear you? No, only you. I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you. Stay down, man. Stay on me, got a knife! I see that. We have a knife, too. You now have full control again, Gray. We are going to finish the job we started. You didn't know that I'm a ninja. While I am state-of-the-art, I am not a ninja. Here's the funny part. When I first watched it for the first five minutes, my brain kept on saying, is that Tom Hardy? But it was Logan Marshall Green. He looked Tom Hardy-ish. Very strong resemblance. <laughs> it's pretty strange, but... When I saw this movie, I left the theater being like, now that is a movie. That was super fun. Gory because it should be. Um, I thought that the, you know, there's a part where he puts a shotgun at a guy's head and blows it off. And I'm like, that was an effective effect. A lot of the, it seems like a lot of the effects were practical, not a bunch of CGI. And the dude act like an AI robot for the, I mean, even though all his movements weren't perfectly robotic, I just loved the actor's, uh, you know, his his um, interpretation of what it would be like to be controlled by a robot. I loved it. Great action. I thought it was a fantastic film. Upgrade, number 10. Would you call that choreography? Like, do you think there was a choreographer involved with helping him do those robotic mo oh, movements? Oh, for sure. No question. Yeah, because no they did a question. hell of a job with that, man. They did an amazing job making it, like his head would turn first. I'm like, oh, that is really, I mean, it was like RoboCop. 
but way more natural. He he seemed more natural. I just thought it was it was so fun and how he fought and the fight choreography was so cool because he had to make it seem like Neo at the end where it looked like Neo wasn't really trying in the Matrix. Yeah. That's how he fought every time. His face was straight. And I was like, wow, this is that's really hard to do, to do fight choreography choreography and not look like your head is trying. It was just really cool. And speaking of Robocop, it did kind of have that, I don't know, I guess 80s edge, if you will, just like the Robocop movies did. There was something reminiscent of a movie like that in this one. Uh, kind of a throwback feel to it. And I just loved it. I thought that was a great one. So great choice, Mr. Hudson. Thank you, sir. And that brings us to our number nine. Dan, will you please do the honors? Sure. Number nine. <laughs> yeah, so my number nine is a movie by the name of, you maybe heard of this one, man. There was a little bit of speak about it towards the beginning of last year. It's called A Quiet Place, Steve, directed oh, by John Krasinski. Dude. And uh, yeah, man, this is definitely in my top 10 for sure. Yes. Coming in at number nine, like I just mentioned, so loudly, if you will. This movie had to be in there, Steve, because of the effect that it had on an audience this year. Oh. You know, uh, it's one of the very few times you can go to a movie and actually hear people be quiet. Like when you're actually paying more attention, because I'm, I'm very much a stickler this way. If I go into a movie and I see someone walking in with their, like a new thing, by the way, I'm not going to go off on too much of a tangent, but a new thing that I've noticed recently is when people walk into a movie, they feel it's perfectly acceptable to have their their iPhone flashlight on. Oh, dude. So they can find, because, you know, they, because they were unable to do so for the last uh, 30 years of their life or whatever, right? So yes. there's that. There's a lot of talking going on in movies. There's a lot of crunching and, and uh, shuffling and foot tapping and whatnot. This was the movie, and maybe I got lucky, but this was the movie where it was like we were able to actually achieve pretty much dead silence the entire time with the exception of a, a soda slurp or a popcorn crunch, man. I, I'm not entirely sure. I know the book came out and everything, but I don't know if the movie Bird Box would have gotten made if it wasn't for A Quiet Place. Just my opinion. Um, okay. And, you know, it, it definitely shows that Krasinski has chops. So, Oh, dude. Dude. Yeah, I really liked it. The level of suspense built up because of the silence was something that I really took to. And it had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, Gail liked it. I went and saw it with her. For a PG-13 movie, I thought that the effects were fantastic. And the monsters that were, spoilers, sorry, the monsters that came out in the movie were actually pretty effective too. So A Quiet Place definitely has a home in my top 10. You know, the funny thing is... Um Emily, I think it made a big deal that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are really married in real life only because you could tell it was real. Like their connection was not something that you also had to act out. They just had a natural connect. I think that made a, I, I think it just made the film even better because they're really married. And so you're like, yeah, you don't have to now work on a situation of do we have chemistry? No, they do. I mean, dude, there are, there are some scenes in this movie. Like uh, I'm thinking about a particular one that's in the basement with water. Dude. I was like, oh, it's over. It might be over for, I mean, is Krasinski going to do this? I'm not going to tell you what happens, but wow, what a scene that was, dude. I mean. Another scene that got me was, uh, and I'll keep it kind of blunt. You know, at this point though, really, I think that most people have seen the movie. So, you know, listen at your own risk. But the scene with the newborn child. Oh, was dude. another one like, oh, God, what are you going to do with this kid? You know? dude. Like, how do you Because not... the whole time they're building this thing, you're like, what are they building this thing for? And then you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, so good. What a great movie that was. Fantastic, sir. That's a great pick. That's why I it's think. in there, my man. That's why it's in there. How about you, Steve? What's number nine? 
All right, my number nine is an awesome little horror movie that I've been wolfing about this whole freaking, uh, this whole year. It's directed by Damien Leone and it's called The Terrifier. What if that guy did this to your car? What guy? The clown? Do you really think someone slashed my tires? Well, he knows this is your car. Hey, handsome! Cut it out. My friend wants your number. Kill you. What is Tara? Dawn and I are sort of stranded. She has a flat tire and no spare, and I was kind of hoping you could pick us up. with you. What, did you think he was gonna hack me up into little pieces or something? I loved this movie. As soon as I saw it, I remember I texted you, I said, dude, you gotta watch The Terrifier. It was so freaking good. And I, 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 I'm official. It's official. He is the creepiest clown that has been on. I, th I think that is. He is the creepiest clown. I got to give him freaking props because this clown made me feel like, oh, wow, this is he's a dangerous individual without having done anything yet. The second he comes on screen, I said, I don't like him. His name is David Howard Thornton, who played the clown. Fantastic job. Whoever did the makeup. Fantastic job. Loved this movie. And um, it's very it's very hard right now to say, hey, we're going to make a scary clown movie because how many people have done it? It's like, OK, we get it. Clowns are scary. But when this one hit, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That clown is scary. That's a scary clown. People, if you haven't watched The Terrifiers, on, I think it's on Netflix still. It still is. I just looked it up yesterday, actually. Dude, people, ladies, gentlemen, if you like horror movies, watch The Terrifier. Um, it's just an effective slasher movie. And that is what it is. It's a slasher movie. There is none of this it situation where let's see what happens. He might do this to this person. What if he gets a, no, 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 no. This is a slasher movie. I mean, dude, you saw it. What'd you think? I would say that this movie has more balls than any slasher movie that came out this year. Oh, dude. Dude. And like I said before, you know, they, they had little to work with as far as budget goes. So I'll be honest, and I said this before, if they would have had more of a budget, I think maybe the acting could have been a touch stronger. Uh, I think yeah. that the effects would have been even better, but they're so freaking effective, particularly this one scene. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not prepared for one particular <laughs> scene, and I'm not even going to describe or hint at what it is. You will know the scene when you see it. <laughs> like, if even if you closed your eyes, the sound effects are just... Once you know what's happening, oh, like I don't, dude. I don't want to say anything else, guys. Just watch this scene; you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> I think that if had they given this movie like more of a budget, I think it would have been a huge hit. And I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with the sequel because there is a sequel coming out soon. The uh, clown is Art the Clown. He will take the place. Mark my words; he will be in the ranks of Freddy, Jason, Leatherface, oh, dude, Pinhead. Yes. You name it, he's going to be there because he's that effective. He doesn't say a word the entire time, by the way, too, which makes it even more creepy. 
Oh, dude. And, and not only that, but I, I think a, a big part is uh, I love how you brought out, you know, Freddie, Jason and all them because he goes into that group by the for the end of the movie. You're like, OK, well, it's over by the end of the movie. You're like, oh, he is in that group of killers. Yes. They let him let you know. Oh, by the way, this is a th-. like you're like, oh, oh. So he is a Freddie, Jason, that sort of thing where you're like, oh, this is a problem. So I, you're totally right. He fits right into that box. He is not a um, he's not a Michael Myers. He is a Freddie. And that makes it even worse. You're like, what? That is a terrible thing. I loved it. Terrifier. Watch it if you get a chance. Now, we're on to our number eight. Dan, would you do the amazing honors with that uh, just God-smacking voice of yours? It's God-smacking, I think. Number eight. Okay, now this one might be a hair controversial because of the placement that it gets, okay? But... I had to fit it in there somewhere, and I just figured this would be a good spot for it because I've only seen it one time. A lot of the movies that I've seen that we're talking about, I've seen multiple times. This one I've only seen once, surprisingly. And the movie that I'm talking about is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man? Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing, double tap to release, and flip it out again. Okay. Hey guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another, another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is going to collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. If I don't destroy the collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different? Let's go! Is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. (laughs) Wait, what? I know you loved the movie. I did. Why would you say that it's a number eight? Uh, like number eight. Why so low on the list? Yeah, yeah, out of curiosity. Okay, first of all, I wasn't going to put any superhero movies on my list whatsoever. I tried very hard to do so. And then I thought about it after a while, and I was like, what movies hit me you know, the best this year, which is why it's a top 10, right? So I had to put this one in. But being that I've only seen it one time, I just, I can't like wax about it as, as well as I would like to, you know what I mean? But I will say why it is in my list. And it's... Mostly what I think what everyone else is saying is that, first of all, you have not seen animation like this ever. Like it's got its own trademark animation now. And the story itself was fantastic. I think that if you didn't know Spider-Man, this is a very good jump off point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've said this on another show, too, is that, you know, I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan. Though I love Spider-Man, you know, he's been a a part of my life, my entire life. I just didn't really read the comics or anything like that. But I think this is a fantastic point, an entry point, I should say, for Miles Morales. You get to see all the different Spider-Man noir. You get to see Spider-Ham and the likes, you know. And 
it, it, there's just something magical about this movie. And after the movie ended, I looked around and I saw all the happy faces. There was nothing but smiles on everyone's faces, man. There was just something that was very, like, feel good about this one. I love the acting. That's the one thing. The voice acting was incredible in this movie. Uh, not to mention that, like I said before, the animation was just on a level oh, dude. like no other. Dude. You know? Uh, I kind of fell in love with it. It's just that I haven't really had a chance to go back and see it again. It would probably be a little bit higher up on the list had I seen multiple viewings of it. But since I didn't, I thought I would just keep it at a number eight. But uh, a beautiful movie. I think it needed to be made. And it is definitely one of the best, absolutely one of the best superhero movies to come out. And I'll say ever, for that matter. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I think I will give you a spoiler. It is in my list, too. I bet you it ranks higher. I bet you it's going to be around. uh, I'm just going to take a guess and say number. It's going to be in the top three. Oh, wow. Well, look at this. We will see. I guess we will see. Um, Actually, my number eight is a movie I know that you haven't seen yet. Um, It's a movie that we will call The Night Comes For Us, directed by Timo Tajanto. I think it's Tajanto. Either way, it's Timo Tajanto. And it's a a film. It's a uh, foreign film where, dude... The fighting in the, if you like karate, which you do, karate or martial arts, everyone should watch this film. There are these long takes of fighting that go on and on and on. And you can tell there is no break. They're just fighting, dude. They're just going and going and going. It is an incredible film. As soon as I watched it, I wanted to start it all over again. Because have you ever seen those films where it's just one guy having to fight a million people to get to whatever end game it is. And by the end, he could barely walk. He could barely talk. He's bleeding all over the place. But you're like, he is fighting with every, because the end game is so important to him. That is this movie. It is, well, you know what? I'm going to be real. Um, Not only is it him, but there is a female fighter in this film that is just as dangerous. So many females in this, or, uh, uh, you know, women in this film are ridiculously amazing and i love how they put women as strong in this film like the women in this film are the most dangerous killers like if you get past them then all the rest are fairly okay let's let's knock them out but you have to get past this these dangers when i loved it the night come for us if you have a chance it's on netflix it's actually on you know the main page where they show like netflix original or whatever it's one of those the night comes for us. You will not be disappointed if you're a fighting fan. If you don't like fighting, well, you might want to go ahead and keep on scrolling. Keep on like scrolling. Fight, keep on scrolling. But if you like fighting movies, which Dan loves, which is so shocking you haven't seen this movie, dude. There's just been so many of them. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of forgot. But we talked about this one, or I should say you talked about this one. You gave it rave reviews. I'm going to call myself out and say that I said I was going to watch it, oh, Steve, and I didn't. Yes. Well, it's a... Here, here's what I'll say. There's a, there are, you know <laughs> how there's these like bone breaks and stuff. They do that sort of things thing, but to the next level. Like there are like box cutter, nasty. It's just, it's so much, but these are what fights would look like. And it's from, it's, uh, it was made in Indonesia and it's an incredible, especially if you loved the Raid Redemption, if anyone loves the Raid Redemption, this is going to be, you're going to love this movie also. So please check it out. It's called The Night Comes For Us. And that is my number eight. Dan, will you do the honors? Number seven. 
This is where it gets interesting. Yeah. This is where it gets really interesting. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's on many people's lists, but I know that okay. it's a little controversial for some people. They're, they don't feel that it deserves to be on there. I do, and my reasons are going to be as follows. The movie that I'm talking about is Avengers Infinity War. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Tell me his name again. Thanos. When I'm done, half of humanity will still exist. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. Like I said before, I was not going to put superhero movies on, but I had to put this one on. And there's many reasons for it. First of all, we're all waiting to see Avengers 4, right? Endgame's coming out soon. We can't stop talking about this movie. And another thing that we can't stop talking about, and you see this everywhere. Go on Twitter right now. You're going to see it eventually. There's the Thanos snap. Everyone is still talking about the Thanos snap. And, I mean, really, where do you get a movie of this caliber where you're getting all your favorite superheroes, particularly if you're a Marvel guy, you had every single freaking superhero that you wanted in this movie, man. Oh, dude. I thought dude. the script was really strong. Some people thought that it was a little bit on the cheesy side, but I freaking loved it. I loved seeing the reactions and the gasps that you heard in the movie theater when you were watching your favorite... Uh, spoilers, by the way. When you're watching your favorite superheroes kick the bucket. You know, oh, there is a dude. huge will they or won't they with this one. People are wondering uh-huh. who's coming back. Is everyone coming back? Is no one coming back? How is this going to get resolved? You've got Captain Marvel that's coming out soon. Is she going to tie this together? I mean, they even incorporated it. In, I mean, it's a Marvel thing, of course, but they incorporated it into the end credit scenes of, say, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Spoilers again. I still haven't seen that movie. Then I will not say what I was about to say, sir. But <laughs> I'm glad you, you've got you've got fantastic timing. Should I watch it or no? Uh, I'm kind of a completist in that fashion, so I wouldn't say that Ant-Man takes my, its place as far as like one of my favorite Marvel movies, but it's fun. I'm a big Paul Rudd okay, guy, cool. so yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, okay. I, I say you should watch it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No, but this movie just had some fantastic lines in it. I mean, you know, you should have gone for the head. How oh, how dude. how tight's that line, right? Dude. I think that Josh Brolin did a fantastic job in this one here. I love the struggle with Banner and the Hulk. As far as, you know, can I get this guy to come out? Why won't yes. he come out? We lost so many different people. And again, like, I, I don't mean to repeat myself, but what I'm getting at is there is this huge mystery of who's going to be coming back. And they've yes. managed to keep it, for the most part, like a, a huge secret. I know that we have movies, if you haven't been, you know, if you've been under a rock, most people know that, you know, we are getting a Spider-Man sequel. We are eventually going to get a Black Panther sequel. So we know that in some way, shape, or form, they're going to come back. But how's that going to be? You know, I think it's a very intriguing movie. I think that it had a huge impact. And nothing like watching people walk out of that movie. There was dead silence a lot of the time. People couldn't believe it. There was literal tears coming out of people's faces. I sat there with my daughter and watched her cry because she got a little crush on Tom Holland. You know what I mean? But she cried when Spider-Man did his thing. I don't want to die. Yeah. Such a, oh, dude. You I know? Mean, 
This, yes, for sure. It just put all of the heroes in a um, a spot of complete peril, you know. And then uh, there's also still there's other things they talk about still, like for instance, Star Lord. Like, why would you do something like that? You freaking dummy! Yeah, but, you know what? I've realized he couldn't do anything but that. He had to do that. I mean, Doctor Strange made it fairly clear that it was part of history. There was only one possible outcome. There's only po- one possible outcome, and that outcome is Star-Lord doing that thing. And that made me feel bad. I'm like, oh, that's how smart Marvel is, dude. They knew, oh, you're going to think this. Let's just go ahead and wrap that up. There's only one possibility here. Totally. I mean, it's genius, dude. You know, and on top of all that, it was one of the very few shows that we did this year where we actually dedicated a whole show to talk about it to. So, yes, it's a little lower on the list, but that's because there's so many other great movies coming and I have reasons for those as well. But Avengers Infinity War, Steve, is my number seven in the top ten. All right. Now, and also one more thing that Infinity Wars did. How are superhero movies now going to do movies without stakes? All superhero movies now have to have stakes involved because Marvel was like, oh, no, this is there's actually people disappearing now. Other movies are just like, hey, someone's here to take over the world. We won. I don't think you can get away with that anymore. You just can't. So, I mean, that's one terrible thing that happened with Aquaman. We don't know what the stakes were in that fight and nothing happened. No one. There were no stakes there. Marvel has said we put stakes in our movies. There are possibilities that are terrible, and they showed why. You lose to a titan like the Mad Titan, this is what happens. So good. Josh Brolin was just absolutely incredible as Thanos. He gave him him an actual personality. But anyway, I have a feeling we'll be talking more about that later in our show. Uh, (laughs) My number seven, ladies and gentlemen, is is a magnificent movie that I have actually been talking about for some time on our show. Well, not some time, but I kind of was effusively praising it. It is Alphonse Cuaron's Roma. I loved this movie. As you know, Dan... I love this movie. And the thing is, it's not a movie that I would normally love. You know, I don't like when things don't get to the point. I don't like when things kind of drag on. I get bored really quickly. But this movie just held my attention so wonderfully after the first 30 minutes. Because there were the first 30 minutes that were hard. And I remember one time I was like, I met up with you. I said, you're like, how do you like Roma? I was like, ah, right. so far, not great. And then I realized, oh, he's just rapping me around his finger so that he could be like, now that you know this amazing girl, watch this. And uh, the, the person who plays Roma uh, is Yalitza Apricio. I cannot believe this is her first film. This is incredible for a first time out. Her, f- I mean, it was, inc- I fell in love with her. By the end, her heartbreak was my heartbreak. That's hard to do for a first time actress. Because we've already talked about how some horror movies have these actresses and actors that we actually look up their IMDb and they've been in a bunch of movies. So we're like, okay, so why do they act so terribly then? Because they're just bad. She did not have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) She did not have that problem. I could go through a list of amazing horror or of these horror movies, these indie horror movies that you look at each IMDb and they've been in like 13 horror movies before. So you've been practiced in this. And you're still this bad. She's not. This woman did an amazing job of of, of playing uh, this character. And I absolutely adored this movie. It brought tears to my eyes. And there's one scene that I don't think, as far as 
sadness goes, as far as devastating heartbreak, I don't think it's going to be matched this year. And they just sit on the scene. You're going to see what happens when this happens to a woman. You have to watch it. Just heartbreaking. So my number seven is Roma. You've seen it. You loved it too. I did. And uh, I was noticing that I was being very quiet when you're talking about it because it may or may not be in my top 10. Oh, I may have some yeah. things to say about it. Then again, maybe I don't. I'm not sure. Oh, but yeah. I did realize that as you were talking, I'm like, maybe you should agree with him or something. But I was like, eh. spoilers, guys, it's in my top 10. But we'll get to it a little bit later. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, then that's my number seven. Dan, will you do the amazing honors? Oh, most certainly. Number six. All right, Stefouche. This was a movie that really touched me this year. Um, it was something that I saw by myself in the theater, as I do a lot of the times. It touched me because I related to it so much. There are some similarities in my life now. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not exactly the same, yeah. but I can relate to the struggle that was going on in okay. this movie. The movie that I'm talking about is Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Hey, guys. Uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard. And it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Okay, so growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel, Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little. I'm gonna stop eating with hey, you if you I'm keep doing You said I can say one thing. I'm really like nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way. But you just need to face your fears and let people know they're really you. I was a complete mess when I was your age. Really? Eighth grade is the worst. You never know what's next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. Oh, I did not see that coming, G. I got you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, man, here's the deal with this movie. It's just so real, man. Like, I know you don't you don't have a daughter, but there's so much struggle going on with this movie, man, as far as from a teen's perspective, you know yeah. what I mean? It deals with insecurity. It deals with body shaming. It deals with just the the the, the simple manner of just trying to fit in and, and, you know, make your life happy. It deals with the struggle of how a father has to relate to this human that's growing up and has, you know, was once just this innocent little child that looked up to daddy and everything and is now a person with their own opinions that is living in their phone, that is dealing with uh, comparing themselves to, you know, the likes of things on Instagram and trying to live up to that standard when she quite honestly isn't there right now because a lot of kids aren't, you know what I mean? And I think that there's a, just a very real aspect of this movie that really hit me. I just felt so bad for the father because he's trying his best to relate and trying his best to just make his daughter happy. And sometimes it's just to no avail whatsoever. Uh, there's a scene where they're sitting at the dinner table and he's just trying to have a damn conversation with her, but he's competing with her earbuds and in, again, Instagram and things like that. And it's the way that she talks to him. 
that was kind of heartbreaking. Uh, you know, it, it wraps up very nicely in the end, and I want whoever hasn't seen this movie to check it out. I strongly recommend you do because it is a very touching movie. But what it does, it, there's a payoff there for me that it just brought a tear to my eye. And I, it just, I really, really like this movie. It affected me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And what I got was this really special movie that was just heartwarming and touching and, and sometimes heartbreaking. So that is my number six. You know, the funny thing is I recently listened to a, about an hour-long interview with Bo Burnham. And he was talking about this movie and talking about it, you know, how he's, he's, uh, he said he was retiring from stand-up comedy. And to hear him talk, it made me want to watch this movie only because he's one of the few self-aware uh, stand-up co- comedians. He's one of the few people that understand how ridiculous it is for him to get up there, tell jokes for the for a laugh and for, you know, some self, oh, give me some attention. He's like, I'm aware that it's ridiculous. We just want attention. I need you to clap for me so I can feel better about myself. I'm like, I want to see a movie written by or directed by this, written and directed by this person, because that means it's self-aware. A lot of stand-up comedians will make a movie that's only benefiting them. It's to show how funny they are. Watch how awesome. I could also direct movies. Give me more money. Whereas it seems like this movie is seriously something he had bottled up that he needed to get out. And so that's what made me want to watch this movie. So I'm going to watch this movie ASAP. Uh, the interview was amazing. And it seems like he's he has a lot of things that he's going to be able to do in the future. I'm very eager to see what he does next. I can't wait to watch this movie. So yeah, Eighth Grade is definitely on my list. Along with Your Kiss. What a great song that was, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give it up. A little shout out for Hollow Notes real quick. Because I'm like, <laughs> come on, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I mean, 70s and 80s pop at its finest. I'm just saying. Yeah, beat it. All right. So my number six is Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. It's, I love this movie um, for all the reasons you already stated. And also because what other movie is going to let you start out doing a bunch of code switching? He goes from, what's going on with it, bruh? All right, man. Hey there, fella. How are you? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've done that. You have to change the way you talk depending on who you're around. So they start off hitting the ground running. And then they have, come on, B.I.G. They said, from Jump, this is this movie. If you don't like it now, you're not going to like it any better when we keep on going forward. And man, they just hit the nail on the head and how it ends with him pretty much saying, now that you see me, you too know that you can be Spider-Man. It touched my heart, dude. There are kids that have never seen themselves up on the screen as Spider-Man. And now they're like, oh, I didn't know I could be Spider-Man. He pretty much tells them, you too. Yes, you can be Spider-Man. Loved it. We've already said all the wonderful things about it. So my number six is Into the Spider-Verse. Dan, will you do the honors? Certainly, Steve. Number five. At number five, Steve, this is one that I uh, I was kind of struggling on where I should put this one, but I just watched it recently, and uh, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie, though. And uh, I don't even know if I have it ranked properly, but this is where it's going right now. The movie that I'm talking about is directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. It is uh, written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. It stars Olivia Coleman. Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss. And the movie that I'm talking about, Steve, is The Favorites. Dearest Queen, how goes the kingdom? Did you just look at me? Stop it! I am the queen, but you are mad. You look like a badger. 
I've sent for some lobsters. I thought we could race them and then eat them. <laughs> Is there cake? Be gone! Let's shoot something. I should have you stripped and whipped. I'm waiting. We went for something dramatic. How dare you! <laughs> Your Majesty. I'd like to enjoy the music now. This is madness. Sometimes a lady likes to have some fun. All right, let's talk about the favorite. Yeah, so I can't wait to hear you. Ex- I, I can't wait to hear like what because I I, th- I didn't even know if it was going to make your top ten, G. Oh, it most definitely wow. did, man. But here, here's the situation that I'm I'm having trouble with. Like it recently was nominated for you know for best comedy or musical. I don't really know if it fits in that category. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's funny. There's definitely some funny parts in the movie. But it, to me, it's more like a drama with some humorous parts to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a scandalous movie, man, to say the least. It's scandal, scandal, scandal. And I know you're not the biggest Emma Stone fan, but I think she shines in this movie. But for Emma Stone, in my opinion, she's usually like the highlight of a movie if she's in it. And she's outshined completely by Olivia Coleman and Rachel Wise in this one, man. They, they, they make a great threesome, you know what I'm saying? But the performances by Olivia Coleman and Rachel Wise, man, there's just something like like the dynamic that those two have is fantastic in this movie. What I liked about this one is what what it started out being was something that I did not expect it ending as. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I thought it was just going to be this this movie about someone that is hired to help the queen and be her servant and you know you're going to get some quirky behavior out of her. But what ends up happening in this movie is so goddamn scandalous and the and the turn that it takes, it just completely had my jaw dropped, you know what I mean? The performances by everyone in this movie and that includes not only Olivia Coleman, Rachel Wise and Emma Stone, but you've got uh, Faye Devaney You've got James Smith, you've got Mark Gaddis, you've got William Dalby, and they're all fantastic. I will say that it was a little hard for me to understand, just a little bit hard to understand on this one here. I, I tend to watch movies with heavy British accents with uh, subtitles on, but there were no subtitles in the theater. So it was uh, definitely something that I had to kind of really, really pay attention to. But not only was the uh, the acting so strong, but it was also the way that it was shot. There are these uses of these wide angle lenses, which I really think you should see this movie in the theater if you're going to check it out. Because the way they use these wide angle lenses, it's definitely like an artistic thing. You know what I mean? Yes. But it just it plays so well into the movie. And, um, you know, you're going to feel sorry for bunny rabbits. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> because know, remember, but- I haven't felt sorry for bunny rabbits since Fatal Attraction. Yeah, you're going to feel sorry for the bunny rabbits, man. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. But in all seriousness, no, this movie is fantastic. Um, okay. Again, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a comedy. I don't know where you put a movie that has like scandal in it. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily a thriller. It's not an action kind of a movie, but there is just some scandal going on in this movie that you just don't see coming. So yeah, check it out, dude. I really think that you should check this one. I know we've talked about it and I know that you wanted to see it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened when you fell off there, buddy. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I'm the worst. Nah, you're not the worst. I'm just messing with you. But it definitely takes my place in the top 10 at number five. The favorite. I can't wait to watch that. Now, um, my the interesting thing about my number five is that uh, I didn't know before watching this movie where it was going to actually sit in my I knew it was going to be in my top 10 because of his previous work. I just didn't know where it was going to sit. Uh, but after watching this movie, it touched me. It was amazing. It really told a story about. Uh, the African-American experience from a way that I didn't think about it, uh, but I have lived it. 
And this movie is called If Bill Street Can Talk by Barry Jenkins, based on a book by James Baldwin. Strumming my pain with his fingers. You ready for this? Singing my life with his words. I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. Killing me softly with his We are drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fonny's baby. <laughs> I hope it's a boy. We're gonna have a baby. I'll have you out of here before it is. You sure about that? You're not by yourself. These are our children, and we gotta set them free. Gotta hold our baby in my arms. I'm with you. You trusted love this far. Kiki Lane and Stephen James play the uh, two main characters, the love interest. And man, oh man, this movie, it just dwells on their beautiful skin. They're walking, they're loving, they're kissing their life. The way he shoots black skin is incredible. It's just a gorgeous thing. And there's a part in this movie that touched me so much where she says, you are the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, what someone wouldn't give to have that said to them, especially at that time where their skin was so gross to so many, much of the world. And now for her to be like, you have the most beautiful. I didn't realize that you, he was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen. And it just, it tore me up. And it was a great story about how um, people of color take two steps forward and then eight steps back. You get voting rights and then they restrict voting rights. You get my, uh, you get uh, Barack Obama, and then you get Donald Trump. It's just a consistent going. You know, he thinks he's going to be making this dream he has, and then he runs into the wrong cop, and everything changes. It's that quick, you know. And Brian Tyree, it's just the whole movie is just this thing where I love how Barry Jenkins tells you what happens, but then takes you back in time, and then you find yourself hoping it didn't happen. Maybe it doesn't, maybe they turn it, you know, you wish for a different outcome, even though Barry Jenkins tells you this is the outcome. It's a brilliant story, a brilliant film. If you have a chance, check it out. Uh, star turns, absolute star turns in the main uh, main act, actor and actresses. Kiki Lane and Stephen James destroy. Regina King is a queen among humans. She is amazing. She is a goddess. Um, and she does an amazing job. Her, I know this is on a sidetrack, but I just, sometimes I forget how beautiful her eyes are until they're up close and personal. And I'm just like, goodness gracious. You feel everything she says, every feeling she has. Regina King can make it come through the screen. That is my number five. If you get a chance, check out If Bill Street Could Talk. Amazing. I'm thinking about buying the book by James Baldwin because the quote in the beginning of the film just was like, that is a beautiful, beautifully written quote incredible so check it out that's my number five dan will you do the honors yeah but before i do i do want to agree with you on a couple of things the the way you're absolutely right the way they shoot black skin in this movie Gosh. is fantastic oh you're also right on the account of regina king's eyes they really focus on that in this movie i mean maybe they focus it like on that. purpose right yeah, yeah that's tripping? what i'm saying okay, no no okay. no like i think what i'm saying is i think that it's noticeable in other movies as well but you're not tripping it's definitely something that they focus on in this movie because there's so much feeling and pain in those eyes you know what i mean Whew. 
Ed Screen is he plays oh, the worst. The dude. worst. <laughs> like in you know, two minutes. We've seen yes, time. we've seen a lot of racist cops in movies, man, over oh, the years, dude. and he definitely his his place is very high up there with very little said. Like it's literally a two minute scene, and you hate this man. Absolutely, all of your energy. Yeah, but, and here's the thing. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Tyree Henry has a monologue. It's not even really a monologue. Someone asks him a question about a thing and he describes it and it rips your heart out. It takes someone in the scene to snap you out of it. Cause you're like, Whoa, he is a dude. His year is crazy. Brian Tyree Henry's year is crazy from into the spider verse and this and Atlanta and widows. His year is crazy, bruh. He's proven that he can like stand up in these movies and be noticed and stand out for that matter. And, and you know, and, and ha- he has his own place now in Hollywood, dude. He's going to oh, be no doing question. some amazing things. So good. So that that is my number five. Dan, will you do the honors? Oh, top four. Number four. Now, I'm happy to talk about this one, man, because uh, it, it puts such a smile on my face. Teary, teary smile. At number four, Steve, is a movie that I saw the same weekend that I saw Eighth Grade, by the way. Great movies came out that weekend. Uh, and, of course, The Meg came out that weekend, too, and that we won't talk about that. But the movie that I'm talking about was a documentary about one of my favorite people, Steve, in the entire world, who's not with us anymore. His name is Fred Rogers, and the movie that I'm speaking of is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's an invitation to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack of it. Fred's work was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Children have very deep feelings just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. (laughs) Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and hope, light and love to our world today. Please won't you be my neighbor. I don't even know where to start with this one. I mean, Fred Rogers was just a person that will never be replaced. You know, he'll never be replaced. There's no one like Fred Rogers. It really just tells about the life and times. You know, it starts off from the beginning of his career as a minister and how he stopped doing that and because he had a love in television. And not only did his love in television drive him to do something special, but it was his love for people that did that even more. And this movie displays so vividly just what kind of person Fred Rogers was. Yes. Um, you know, he his uh, his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, lasted for, gosh, I mean, so many years. And I grew up with it, in fact. And as I think a lot of people did. But there's so many lessons that are learned during that time, you know. I mean, as mentioned on the other podcast and in the movie, in fact, the struggle that was going on in the Vietnam War and how he was able to get children to relate to that. He, had, he was the person that took it upon himself to explain that to children. And he did it so... I mean, there was there was I wouldn't say it was graphic, but I mean, in his in Mr. Rogers neighborhood, he talked about death. He talked about loss. He talked about divorce Uh, again, Vietnam. You know, he talked about um, racism. 
and the differences, you know, in people's uh, the color of people's skin. And he talked about how segregation was an issue and he addressed segregation and he actually challenged. There's a scene in this movie where it shows him and he's uh, he's sitting in a waiting pool and he's like washing his feet. And Francois Scarborough Clemens comes up and he played Officer Clemens on the show. So Officer Clemens, being a black man, says, oh, what are you doing there? He's like, oh, I'm just sitting here washing my feet, you know? And he's like, oh, well, that looks refreshing, you know? He's like, well, come on in. And you can take your shoes off and you can wash your feet too. Now, kind of sounds, you know, you have to remember, he's he's trying to convey this message to kids. You know what I mean? He's trying to make it relatable to children. But the whole thing that he was doing there was that, you know, as you know, segregation was huge. I mean, there had swimming pools where, where black children couldn't swim. You know, they had to live completely different lives. And I'm not going to go off on the whole thing because, you know, civil rights is, is something that we could obviously talk about for a long time. But the yeah. way that he addressed that to children and showed them that, hey, we're just different. We have different colored skin. We're the same people. There's no no harm in this happening. You know, it was a beautiful moment. Another moment that he had that really touched me was when he hit, he would sing with this kid that comes on and he had a, a very crippling disease that had him in a wheelchair and his body was quite deformed. And, you know, he was just like, you're a normal person. I like you. It was, I believe it was the song that he sung was called I Like You. And he oh, sung it with goodness. this kid. And it's and oh. it's just like, it's not, it's heartbreaking because you know what the kid was going through in his, in his day-to-day life, you know, um, you felt for the kid's parents and, you know, you put yourself, or at least I did, I put myself in this position of like, oh, what if, what if my child was that way? Yeah. How would I deal with that? And somehow Mr. Rogers was able to just very much make it relatable to children that it's okay that you're like this. You know, you are a normal person. You are special in your own way. And there is just so many moments in this movie that are like, you just the, the waterworks turn on, man. He was a beautiful, beautiful person. I think that every person needs to see this movie. This is honestly one of the movies that I thought I might rank a little bit higher, even though I know we're getting up there. But that's how much this movie touched me. I don't want to talk about it too much. I know we're a little rushed for time, but I do want to say that if you get a chance to watch Won't You Be My Neighbor, it is one of the best watches that you'll see this year. It was of mine, and that's why it's here. That is freaking awesome. And my thing is, it shows how terrible, like what time we are now, because... Just a few years ago, it would have been that, oh, Mr. Rogers is uh, perfect for the time. If he came out today brand new, they would think he's corny. He's just too happy. In the time we're living in, he'd be too happy because you can't be this happy in what we're living in now. And it's that just shows where we're at right now. We're in a point where they released it at a perfect time where someone needed to remember, oh, right, there was a time where, hap- where being a good person actually gave you a show on TV where there isn't an overarching theme except for loving your neighbor. That's it. That is, that's what's going to, cause I still got to watch this movie. I don't know if I'm going to make it dude. Like that's the one thing that pulls me away from seeing this is, am I ready considering where we are right now? Am I ready to be there? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. I'm very curious to see, like we'll never get this, you know what I mean? But I'm very curious. I would, I would love to see what Mr. Rogers would do if he was still alive in this day and age, because it's almost like, well, shit, I got to go back to work again and start repeating myself. You know I mean? We have gone so far backwards in society. It's it's freaking so quickly. Right. And this isn't the most profound thing I could say, man, because it's been said before. And I think I may have even said it before, but the world needs Mr. Rogers. You know what I mean? We need someone like that. It's it's to balance things out a little bit. That's how special this man was. Totally. And so I, I look forward to watching it. I think I might, I, I just have to be in the mindset that I'm just like, you know what? The world is, I have to be in the world is looking up for me to watch that. Because otherwise I'll be like, can we just rewind 
a little bit. He was such a wonderful person. So I'm look for, looking forward to seeing that. Um, my number four is pretty easy because you already talked about it. It's The Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski. <laughs> number four. It was such an amazing... You know, though, because I talked to you about it. I walked out of the theater. I don't think there's anything they could have done differently that would have made it better for me. I just thought it was an amazing movie, as I've already said. And um, uh, uh, one more part, I'll just tell the viewer that really, or the listener that really got me was, there's a part where they ran into another human being who almost gave up on life. And John Krasinski, without a voice, is telling him not to do something. And I'm like, oh, this is devastating. This is devastating. Because if one person acts stupid, it affects you. Fantastic movie. Check it out. That's my number four. We already talked about it. Dan, will you do the honors? Number three. (laughs) This might inspire some conversation here. I know that you're not going to have a lot to say about it, but I know you do have some things to say about it. This is a movie that has been semi-controversial. I think some people are either completely on board with it or completely against it. I'm one of the people that's on board with it, and I'll explain why, but I also understand why people aren't. And the movie that I'm talking about, Steve, just won Best Screenplay at the Golden Globes. Can you guess what I'm talking about? I already know what you're going to put. As soon as you said controversial, (laughs) I knew it was. Yeah. The movie that I'm talking about is Green Book, man. Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You in the Deep South? There's gonna be problems. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. We'll be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction could use some finessing. Why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balalonga. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. What are you doing? A letter. May I? Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right? Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done. P.S. Kissy Kids? That's like clinging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich's seven. And that's good. It's perfect, Tony. You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? Anyone can sound like Beethoven. For your music, what you do, only you can do that. What do we do about the bones? We do this. (laughs) Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up. All right, let's talk about Green Book, Steve. All right. Um, I'm going to give you my interpretation of the movie uh-huh. and how I feel about it. And I, I am very curious to hear what you say about this one because, you know, this is something that I think that we didn't we didn't really get a chance to talk about this one on the regular pod. And I know that it would have been a long conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and just give my feelings on it. Okay. First of all, I want to say that Green Book 
in my opinion, is a is a fantastic movie. It's a movie that is very, very heartwarming. Uh, I think that the dynamics that are played off of Viggo Mortensen and uh, Marshall Ali is some of the best screen time that I've seen all year around. Um, now, here's the deal. I'll just address the, the elephant in the room. And Steve, I think you'll agree with me. It is the fact that there is um, a lot of liberties taken with the actual real life story that happened between David Shirley and also uh, Tony Lip. Was that is that your your biggest gripe with this movie? Uh, kind of. I haven't seen the thing is I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's going to be the the movie I think it's going to be. Uh, but if it is, it's going to make me even madder. It's going to make me even more upset if it's the movie, because then it will mean that Farrelly didn't only change it; he made it one of those movies. That's all. When you're saying one of those movies, before I go on, what are you referring to? Like the whole oh. Racism can be handled. Racism is just a matter of once we sit in a car together, we can actually become friends, even though I saw you as kind of less than. And as long as he doesn't do an overly Italian thing, it's just like if, if he doesn't do that, I'm good. But if it's yeah, you're probably going to hate this movie then, Steve. Okay. I'll just be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to disagree. But I'm going to disagree with you here. And, okay. and the reason being is that, you know. You had told me about this prior to me watching the movie, and yeah. I still wanted to watch it, you know, because I've heard other people rave about this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm in the raving camp because it just it's just a movie that really listen, I get your point. I see what you're yeah. saying about how uh, racism doesn't necessarily wrap up that simply, you know, yes. but what I liked about it was that they spent two months together in uh-huh. a car by themselves, and you get to see. You know, someone that, yes, was was quite on the racist side. I mean, there's there's a part in the movie where he has two black gentlemen that are working in his house. You know, they're just workers that are working on something in the kitchen. I think it was like a garbage disposal or something like that. And uh, they his wife offers them a glass of water. And when they drink the water, when she steps out of the room, he takes the glasses and he throws them into the garbage can. You know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. that's like that's like heavy, heavy shit back then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then you take this guy and you and he's he's basically doing this because he needs money. There's really mm-hmm. no more to it. He needs money and he takes this job and uh, he's working at the Copacabana. The Copacabana closes down and he needs money. So he takes this job. He works for Dr. David Shirley and off they go. And yes, it is one of those movies that you're talking about. But I, I think what it is is that it was just so well written yeah. that it's, it's just, you know, there's laughs in it. There's parts where there's things that I didn't see coming uh, with the character of David Shirley. There's things I learned about him that. I think that are for the most part true, but yes, again, there are some things. And what I guess what you're really getting at is that uh, Marshali Ali had reached out to David Shirley's family and apologized because there was a lot of fiction in this movie. Is that what you're, that yes. was kind of like a big gripe with you, right? Yes. Because I mean, the thing is, if you're going to take one side's word of this is how the story went, as a director, I'd be like, we probably want to ask the family if this is how this actually went. We want to ask the family of the person that this movie is actually about did this happen like this or no but he's just like no this story is way cuter because maybe that family story isn't as cute and that's a not fun story to tell no it's not a fun, it wasn't a fun time <laughs> you know yeah. i mean there's some things in this movie that take place where you just it turns your stomach of how black people were treated you know and yes. and there are a lot of movies that 
have this quality and, and tell this type of the story. Um, yes. Now, as far as the Italian thing goes, I mean, I think that kind of was the guy. So whether Vigo Mortensen does it over the top or not, to me, it didn't seem like it was over the top. I think he does an outstanding job in playing Tony Lip. Okay. Now, I will say that the movie is taken from Tony Lip's memoirs. So it is very, you know, from his side yes. type of the story. So I think we were talking about this yesterday. You, you posed the question, did David Shirley necessarily feel the same way about him? According to the movie, yes, they stayed friends throughout their lives and everything like that. But I'm going to drop a lot of this. And this might bug you, but I'm going to drop a lot of this because I think that as far as screenplays go this year, I think this one just really had a lot of magic to it, man. It's just like if I was just to go into this movie and see it as an uneducated person, someone that was uh, completely oblivious to the actual story, I would love it even more. You know what I mean? I just think yes. that it's just the way that they play off each other. It's the look of the movie. It's the 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 music in the movie. It's just the uh, you know the cars they drive. It's the situations that they get into that yeah. really made it for me. You know, and yeah, so it, maybe I'm a sucker for that type of a movie, but I'm gonna have to put it way up there, man. I mean, I've watched a lot of them. I've seen this one multiple times now, and I, I'd have to say that Green Book is definitely my top three for sure, totally and fair. it is my number three. So I, I would really like to see. I know that you're a very um, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say stubborn or hard headed because I don't necessarily mean it that way. But when you have something in your head, it is very hard to change your mind. Would you agree? It, you you don't have a like if you say do me a favor, normally it happens. Okay. Well then do me a favor and watch oh, this, this movie. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> because I want to see it, man. I mean, I just think that if you could just I will watch this movie. I will. Something that we talked about, and it's not like I'm trying to challenge you because we actually talked about this yesterday, is that a lot of times you you um, you can't take you you can't take your 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 true feelings out of it to to watch something. For instance, something like say Vice, which is not in my top ten. You will not watch it because it's you know you you as you put it, you can't stomach Cheney. Which after watching that movie, holy shit, I don't I can't stomach the guy either. But what I'm getting at is it's it's just very hard for you to. I think it's hard for you to put your feelings aside and just take a movie for what it is. Oh, and I'm yes, hoping that you that. can, yeah, I'm hoping that you can do this. I, I don't know if I'm going to change your mind on this one. That said, I'm not going to change my mind on my feelings about it. I really liked it. Uh, Green book is my number three. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, my number three is quite easy. We already talked about it. Avengers infinity wars, ladies and gentlemen, Avengers infinity wars. We've already said all the great things about it, but I mean, look, this is the movie that had the most stakes of any superhero movie we've ever seen before. That's a big thing to say. They literally said, hey, you know what you like about all the superhero movies? Yeah, we're going to not do that at the end. Uh, any questions? No? Good. And break. And they did it. And they had everybody walk out of the theater like, what the hell did I just watch? Like, we all were like, well, that's not the end, is it? And then to end it with, Thanos will return. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean, G? And so, obviously, number three, Infinity Wars, great movie. Uh, I thought it was going to be my a little bit higher until I made my <laughs> list. And there is something that, a few things that beat it out. So that is Infinity Wars. Will you do the honors, Dan? Final two! Number two! This was teetering on number one, okay? We've already talked about it, and you explained it eloquently, so I'm not going to go too much further into it. But uh, my number two, I just happened to watch last Friday, and uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful movie, man, and it is If Beale Street Could Talk. Whoa! 
Yeah. I, Damn, what? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's first let's stop this. I didn't think it was gonna even be in your list the way you talked about it. What do you mean? Because you were just like, it was really good. Well, no, that's not what I bullshit. That's not true at all. We called you from the car but no, and said, get Gail, your ass down to the theater and watch this on movie. Gail's list, I'd put it as <laughs> I know it's number one. The way Gail was talking about it, but in comparison to you, you were just like, it was really good. I just didn't want to give you any kind of like um, preconceived notion. Oh, that it. was so well done, Dan. You, you sounded very sarcastic when you said that, but honestly, See, no, that's I the said truth. well, like you literally flipped the script on me just now. You, wow, that is so dopey. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! This was the surprise of the list. You know, man, I, I had to give it some thought on this one where wow, I wanted to put this incredible. one, but it's just it was okay. Listen. It really just depends on how your one bases their their top ten. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. I could have gone off of like like I said, like it could have been all superheroes or it could have been like action or whatever. But much like the next movie that I'm gonna talk about, which I'll wait to get to, uh, this one is a slice of life. And it's oh, wow. It's just so heartbreaking. Oh, dude. What the story that this tells, man. Oh. I mean, first of all, on one hand, you've got this beautiful love story between these two Gorgeous. beautiful people. Gorgeous. And, you know, and you want the world for them. Yes. And then, of course, you know, their tragedy happens. And, and it's, um, I will say at first, I wasn't sure because obviously I haven't read the book, but I wasn't sure if Fawny was, in fact, guilty. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know where they were going to exactly. go with the story. Like, exactly. was it going to do a, some kind of a turn? So it had me that way the entire time, you know, too, like waiting to see what was going to happen. Are we going to get this? Oh, my God. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, or he geez. ends up being this terrible person. Yeah. And I won't say what happens in this movie, but the way that it pans out is And that's the other thing, too. It's not like a payoff. This is just like, OK, well, life goes on. And these two beautiful people were able to make this life go on and continue this way. And I, I'm going to just leave it at that. But the performances are so oh, damn strong dude. in this one. But Regina King, who plays Sharon Rivers in the movie, gives one of the most powerful performances that I've seen all year round. Like, it's just so yes. deep how she is. Like, there's a point in the movie where she really takes the forefront and she goes to Puerto oh, Rico. Dude. I'll leave it at that. Oh. Uh, but that whole, that whole, you know, sequence that happens there, man, you know, you, you know what she's trying to do. You feel for her, you know, she's trying to prove her point to someone. Yes. I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil the movie. But, I'm sorry no, if I sound no, a little bit you, like you all over the feel place for who she's going to see. You feel why yes. this is, this was never, it's just, there's a duality oh, going on in this part that you just have, you have to empathize for both yes. people. But the way that she does this and the end result of, of this particular sequence, man, is just so damn touching. And, you know, you just, uh, it, I was just left coming out of this movie, Gail and I, Gail was bawling when she came out of this movie because it really, it really shows an ugly side of what happens. Yes. There's this uh, sequence of scenes at the very end of the Ooh. movie. Now, Black Klansman did this as well, uh, but it was done with video. This one just shows these stills, these still shots of, you know, black people, particularly black men during that time and the struggles that they were going through from being on a chain gang to, you know, being beaten by cops, things like that. Uh, it's so effective and it's so powerful, man. It just moved me. You know what I mean? I, I did not cry during this movie, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I did, you know, oh, what no I mean? question, no question. I mean, and I didn't even get a chance to talk about the, the music, the soft jazz symphony that they play during. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh dude. I'm like this, it sets a tone. It starts with that music and they keep that same theme going. 
the whole, there was no highs and lows. It's this monotone thing that's happening. You're watching a life happen. It was just, like you said, it was just a slice of life, man. And and the fact that at the, you know, there's a certain point at the movie, I won't say when it happens, but they explain how easy it is that, oh, you don't have to be guilty. You, you could just get picked up. Yeah. Oh, and that's what dude. I was, that's what I was going to get at, man, is that it, you know, without truly saying that or showing it, it shows it kind of foreshadows what happened to a whole generation Bingo. of black there men. There it is. There it is. And, and how it affected black families, yes. that whole generation of them. You know yeah. what I mean? And it, and I don't know. I mean, it, I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. I, and I don't mean anything bad by it or anything like that. But I, I totally understand how it's still that way that there is so much animosity towards white people. Because, again, it's a generation. It's not like a, a single instance or something that you saw on the news. It's a generation and and the outcome that comes of the struggle that happens that way, loss of family, yes. dealing with single you know single parents yes. trying to raise their kids and things like that, and the struggle that they have to deal with. Not only on top of that, but on top of the racism and being you know not being able to get the jobs they want to, being paid less, being you know discriminated against. It's it's just it's a horrible thing. This movie is not a happy movie. Steve. No, <laughs> you know and what I mean. A, it's not where someone tries to do a wonderful thing, and they have to wonder why. Like, why are you doing this for us? Like, what yeah. is your what is your side hustle? What's going on here? Is there going to be something weird about this building? And it took a person to say, I just love seeing love. And they couldn't quite wrap their head around this. They're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I'm just rooting for you. And it just broke my heart that kindness seems so weird to them. Just normal kindness seemed very strange. And I'm like, geez, Louise, man. And and I, I can't even say anything more because it will give a it would it would give a um a spoiler, but I will say this. For sometimes for a child, it doesn't matter if a person actually did the crime. If you're visiting someone in prison, that's all you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're I'm not thinking if such and such is innocent. Oh, as far as I knew, Uncle Such and Such was in prison. That's where we visited him. So that's it's a normal where he was, thing. and that's all I yeah, know. That's right. a normal thing to just do this thing. So if now I get sent to prison, oh well, Uncle, it's just a people watch this movie. I am, I am, I am. This is the shock of the list, Dan. Well, I'm not done, buddy. You're over here closing me out here, and I got stuff I still want to say it's about amazing. this movie. Amazing. <laughs> there was a scene in this movie that really. Uh, was one of the most powerful scenes. It wasn't necessarily powerful in the sense of the whole struggle of yes, the movie, yes. but I thought this was one of the best scenes is when, because it's basically the story is, is that it's, it's the, it's the tale of two people that are very much in love. They grew up together and uh, they end up becoming pregnant. Uh -huh. And the, the male in the movie who is played by Stephen James, who plays uh, El Alonzo Fawny Hunt is his name. He goes to jail for a crime that he may or may not have committed. I'll just say that. Yes. So, being that she's pregnant, Tish Rivers, who's played by Kiki Lane, has to tell her family. Now, I am I am carrying this guy's child. Okay, this this scene comes out twofold. It's a longer scene, but the first thing I liked about it was how they treated her. Yes. And how they told her and his and how her sister says, Keep your head oh, up. Oh, did that I mean, not hit you? Keep your head up. Yeah, because she was looking down, she felt she like said, she was ashamed. She's like, no, your you head, keep sister. Yeah, unbow your head, sister. That's exactly Golly. what she said. You just saw this last night, right? Yes, dude. Yeah, I yeah. Forgot so thank about you for that. 
Yeah, she tells her, unbow your head, sister, because it's not anything to be ashamed Dude. of. You know, and plus they loved Fonny. You know, he he grew yes. up in the family yes. practically. The second part of this is when they decide to tell, like, okay, first of all, you can tell that the family's at odds. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, so they take great pleasure in conveying this message to his side of the family, who was really not supportive of him at all. And the way that that whole oh, thing pan- pans out dude. and the the conversations that are had in that scene, I thought was one of the most powerful parts oh, of the movie. Dude. Though it, it though it didn't really have to do with the you know, the, the main struggle of what's going on. It's if that makes any sense. Totally. And the thing is here, it's hard to, it's hard to say this without like spoiling things. And and the thing is, here's what I loved When they, when the other family walks in the door, I know who's who without them saying anything. I'm like, that's the one that hates. This is the daughter. That's this. That's the, I mean, the way he filmed it, you're like, you now know who's who before a word is said, who likes this idea, who plays this part, who, and I'm just like, Oh, this it's, brilliant dude it's brilliant filmmaking ingenue ellis dude (laughs) who plays mrs hunt fawny's mother is one of the most unlikable characters like like you know i I don't know like like how did you feel about her oh have you seen her before i've seen her before but she's never played like this type of person i'm sorry let me ask you that a different way her character mrs hunt have you seen that character yes i have real life you know what I mean? Yes. Um, it's not something I could technically relate to, but we've all seen this character before. They're, they're, they're in church front rows everywhere. They're in yeah, the okay. front all rows right. of church. That's a good way of putting it. Everywhere wearing the biggest hats. Those are who this person is. Yes. And the dynamic between uh, Mrs. Hunt and Frank Hunt, her husband, oh, that's a whole other thing, too, because they're so completely different. You wonder why they're together I in the first place. I think they're ex-husband and wife. That's what I Is that what it was? I, I did not get that actually, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I, but uh, you saw it last night, so I'll take your word for it. I, but I didn't really feel that was the case because I remember Mr. Rivers calling him up and saying, "Hey, Frank, you need to come over, bring everybody right now." So I thought that they were just all together like that. But yeah, that whole that whole thing, like you Whew. know what? If they put it this way, if they weren't divorced, they should be. <laughs> you know what I mean, dude? There's a part where she says, "You're talking to a woman," and he said, "It's a nice yeah. change." <laughs> Yeah, like I said, man, if they weren't divorced, they should be. It's fantastic. I love this movie. I'm glad you had it as your number two. Yeah, I really, I, I, it could have been number one. And I'm still wondering if maybe I should have gone that way. But I think you'll understand why I didn't in just a second. But uh, yeah, my number two, ladies and gentlemen, is if Bill Street could talk. I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. Check it out. That's dope. All right. <laughs> On a whole different section, my number two is Mission Impossible Fallout. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. It's coming. And the blood will be on your hands. I prayed to God that it wasn't true. Solomon Lane escaped in Paris. Now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. This is a bad idea. Is it ever a good one? Honestly. He's not just some observer. He's an assassin. I don't trust anybody outside of this room. You go rogue, he's been authorized to hunt you down and kill you. That's the job. No hard feelings. Turn left! 
Go, 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 go! What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! Oh, sorry. Good luck. When the clock stops, Ethan Hunt will lose everyone he ever cared about. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. Ethan, you've lost this one when Stun is done. What Stun has done when we say it's done. Showtime. Oh my god. Oh, I love this movie. <laughs> I love but you knew I got giddy watching this movie. It's right up my alley. I could watch Tom Cruise read a book for a movie. I mean, not only did I have to watch this trailer nine million times over the course of a year, oh. but you were talking about it just as much, man. You, I knew oh, you, been, you were like, dude, you're a huge fan of the Mission Impossible oh, series. Dude. I like it. You love it. I'm a fan of Mission Impossible, and I'm a bigger fan of Tom Cruise. I could watch him doing anything. I love Tom Cruise, Jay. I mean, ever since whenever, I've always loved Tom Cruise, and this guy is a he's a movie star. He, oh, his talent's undeniable. Dude. I mean, I don't know how you can say it's not. You know what I mean? He is a movie star. When people are like, oh, that guy's a movie star. No, you're not. Tom Cruise is a movie star. He learned to fly a helicopter and did his own stunts, Jay. He's an insane man because he says, I want to give these people what they're paying the theater for. When they walk out of this theater, I want them to say, that was a movie. There is a sequence in this movie, if you haven't seen it, in a bathroom. That's better than 99% of action movies. The whole movies. Just what happens in that bathroom. It was incredible. Don't, and let, don't get me started on the fist reload, G. Don't get me started on the fist reload. G, Mission Impossible Fallout. There's nothing I could say. Everything I tell you is going to be a spoiler because everything that happens in the movie is an incredibly important part. There are so many things. And here's what I will say. I don't think I've ran as hard as Tom Cruise ran in this movie since I was a teenager. And he's pushing, what is he, pushing 60? Yeah, easy. That's insane. That he can run like that and you see him doing it. This isn't fake. He's running like this. Incredible movie. Uh, everyone, the supporting cast was incredible. Superman was even incredible. And I never really thought he could act that well until I, well, you know what? Never mind. I saw him a man from uncle. So yeah, this is his bag. Henry Cavill yeah. is who you're referring to. He's in his bag here. This skip Superman. Stop doing Superman. Do the sequel to man from uncle. And, and unfortunately you can't, but do movies like this because you believe he's the, I'm not going to, he's a good guy. I'll say he's a good guy. Fine. You believe everything that happens to this dude. What he does, how he does it. You're like, yep, that the look of the guy, he'll do that. Fantastic. Mission Impossible is my number two. You know, I'll give it to you, man, because I, actually it was in my top 10 originally. But I, like I said, I was shuffling things around so much. It, was, it, it could have made it. You know what I mean? I had reasons for not putting it in. But yeah. you're 100% right. Hearing you talk, like the enthusiasm that you have about this movie, I can't argue that. Tom, there's no one that does it like Tom Cruise. No one. Nobody. No one puts their body at risk like Tom Cruise does, man. It's amazing that at his age, he can still do this. He is, um, I mean, and the thing is, okay, this is a side thing, but the amount of energy he puts into running 
is the same energy he puts into acting. He put the same amount of energy into I love black people in Jerry Maguire as he did to running on that roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> he screams it. Even in the monologue for Jerry Maguire where he's just like, who's coming with me? It oozed desperation. That's a man that can just ooze anything. Once you can ooze that, you could totally run across a building because he puts everything into anything he's doing. Why is he such an amazing Scientologist? Because he does that 100% too. Everything he does, G, he does it amazingly. Tom Cruise, keep doing your thing. Mission Impossible, Fallout. Y'all better watch it if you have it. Speaking of Scientology, you know, I, I understand that's what he is, but I'm not entirely unsure that he didn't, like, you know, sell his soul to the devil. Because how does the man still look that good and yeah. have that much energy at this point in the game? After making that get, many Mission Impossible he, movies, you know what I mean? He's amazing. Yeah. And not only that, how does he get me so pumped up when all he does is tweet out a thing song, I feel the need. And hits him on a runway. <laughs> I almost run around the house, Jay. Oh, man. We got to go see that one he together. I, got, I have to see this movie with you when it comes out. We're talking about Top Gun 2. Oh, dude. Because I got to see how dude. you... First of all... I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready, Dan. I just want to see you run around the theater like you say you do. I'm probably going to. I mean, as soon as he steps onto screen with his aviators, I might be like, hey, you can just run the credits now. If it ends right now, I'm okay. Because I am that big of a fan that movie is going to make that all the money in the world it's going to come from me because <laughs> i'm going to see it twice that's all the I'm money in the world bro How, yeah, where, where are you getting what theater are you going to <laughs> <laughs> Be nice all right dan can you do the honors oh my goodness we're here we are here Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the uh, number one position in our top ten movies of the year. Steve, uh, what do you think so far? Have we, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on my choices? Your choice, dude. Your list is incredible, especially the last three. It's pretty nuts. A little surprising, I'm, I'm sure. For yes. You. I like your list too, man, and I can't really argue with anything that you're saying. I mean, you know, these are, by the way, guys, if you haven't guessed yet, these are just our opinions. This is what we think. This isn't what anyone else thinks. These are our yes. particular choices for From the year. From what we've seen this year. Yeah. there's And there's so many more, man. It's like, I know for a fact that I have never seen this many movies in my life since we started doing this podcast. So, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm missing something, but I really, I've put a lot of thought into my list, and then this is you where You totally have. So, yeah, for sure. That said, this leads us to number one position in the top 10, Steve. Number one. All right. So (laughs) I've put a lot of thought into this one, man. Uh And uh, over the course of the year, I had to really break it down. Like what was going to be my top? my number one movie, you know, and, and, um, this is one that was very touching to me and was probably some of the realest shit I've ever seen. And the movie that I'm talking about is Dwayne Johnson's skyscraper. The Pearl is the tallest, most advanced building in the world. You've built a vertical city, but you've brought with it every single safety and security challenge that I could think of. We thought this floor was empty. So did I. Not only have you brought them all indoors, but you've, Trap them 240 floors in the air. No one really knows what would happen if things go wrong. But I'm just a glorified security guard, so what the hell do I know anyway? What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. You're gonna be just fine, I promise you that. 
No, 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 no! Tell me, how much do you love your family? If we're gonna get out of here, you're gonna have to tell me the truth. There's a reason they chose this building. It's the only thing that matters to me right now. I'm just fucking with you, man. I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The movie that, <laughs> the movie that I'm talking about, we've already talked about, man. It's Alfonso Cuarón's Roma. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, Roma did something to me that a lot of movies have never been able to do. Uh, getting back to what I said earlier, it is a slice of life type of movie. Yes. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you just the you know the synopsis again anyway. It says a year in the life of a middle class family's maid in Mexico City in the early 1970s. That truly says nothing about this movie. Um, For real. The struggles that are going on between Yalitza Aparicio's character, Cleo, and then of course the family that she works for there's two movies going on in the same movie. Yes. You know what I mean? And and it's yes. uh, and e- both are equally heartbreaking, you know? And it's just some of the realest shit I've ever seen in a movie. Not to mention that it is one of the most beautifully shot movies that I've ever seen. Oh, uh, I saw this movie on Netflix. If you guys weren't aware of that, you can watch this movie on Netflix. It came out at the same time that it entered the theater. But having seen it on Netflix, uh, do yourself a favor, much like the favorite, and go see this in the, on the big screen. Because this was meant to be seen on the big screen. There are yeah. some, some shots that are just jaw-dropping, breathtaking that that Alfonso Cuarón is able to do uh, loosely based on his life. I understand. I think he had, it wasn't, her name wasn't Cleo, but he did have a housekeeper that he, Lebo. Lebo was her name and they took her into the family. But Yalitza Aparicio's character, Cleo, uh, it, it's just one of the most heartbreaking characters I've ever seen. Dude. You know, even though she's surrounded by people, she has a coworker that she's very close with. She's close with his family. She's essentially alone in her struggle. Yes. You know, she's abandoned. This movie deals with abandonment and it deals with the, there's a, a political aspect to it. The abandonment is actually kind of twofold because it happens with the, the family she works for as well as herself. Uh, as Stephen yes. mentioned earlier in the podcast, there is a particular scene in this movie where it deals with, um, I don't know if you said this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it deals with loss. And the way oh. that it is executed on the screen is some of the, the most real life situations that I've ever seen put on screen. I mean, you've seen this before, but in that fashion, I don't think so. And it also does this from a 1970s point of view. So there's things where if you're someone like myself in healthcare, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is what they had to work with in this particular scene, you know? And and it's just heartbreaking, you know? Again, as a parent, um, I don't want to spoil the movie, but as a parent, I would say that this would be one of the, literally the most heartbreaking things that a person could go through. And it's so well done and as, as sad and as traumatic as it is, it's so beautifully done at the same time. And like Steve said earlier, they linger on this scene for a while to make sure that you're that it's going to sink in. And believe me, ladies and gentlemen, it really sinks in. I can't say enough about this movie. Okay, here's a couple things that I that for me 
were normally a turnoff when I was younger. A, a black and white movie. Don't get on me for it. It's just the way it was. That was a deterrent. Most of the time, I, w- I didn't like those. There was, of course, you know, you had like a young Frankensteins and things like that. But a black and white movie for me originally just wasn't something that I would normally take to. Uh, again, you're dealing with a, a, it's a foreign language movie. It's in Spanish and there are subtitles. As a younger man, that would be something that would turn me off as well. If that's something that turns you off, please do yourself a favor and just push past it. I've been telling this to anyone that I can. Like, if that's not something that you're into, please make it a point to do this just this once. Do it for me and check this movie out. But more importantly, you're going to be doing it for yourself. Because when this movie reaches its crescendo and the family is all gathered around Cleo, there's a speech that she gives in this movie. And it's, it's probably her biggest speech throughout the entire movie, actually. It is so freaking powerful and so moving. And you completely understand where she's coming from, you know, because she's she's a she's a woman of very few words throughout the movie. And when she finally emotes and lets out this speech, you totally understand where she's coming from. And it just makes all the sense in the world. And then, of course, it goes back towards the end. And as the movie ends, getting back that whole slice of life thing, life just goes on. There is no payoff in this movie. There is no, you know, they lived happily ever after or anything like that. Life just continues. And it's it's just so real and tragic and beautiful at the same time. And I think that Alfonso Cuarón, we haven't, we still have not seen his best work. I mean, this guy is a, an absolute genius. So by far, my number one movie of the year is Roma. Dude, I loved this movie. I already said I've, we've already talked about how much I loved it. This is a fantastic pick, dude. A fantastic pick. I mean, there are shots in this where I'm just like, a, how did he do it? B. How did he make it so perfect? See, if anything would have gone wrong, how do you even reset this? Because you can't duplicate this awesome long shot. Such a good movie. Fantastic pick, Dan. Yay. That number one is solid. Thank you, sir. Um, my number one, a little, a little preview. My number one was based on what I felt when I left the theater. What I felt during the movie the feelings it evoked that I wasn't even aware I had, the need that I needed, that I had to see this on screen. Uh, the amazing, incredible Ryan Coogler did it all. Ladies and gentlemen, my number one movie is Black Panther. You're telling me that the king of a third world country runs around in a bulletproof cat suit? Why don't you ask him yourself? Because he's right outside. My king. Stop it. The Black Panther lives. A war is coming. That damn car. Watch me do my. I hope you're ready, bro. I'm just getting started. Let's have some fun. I want your weapons. Your secrets. It's all mine now. Is this your king? This ends today. The world now knows what Wakanda forever means. That is insane. That is a that is a, a quote two years ago. No one people have been like, that's never gonna catch on. 
Now they made, not only did he make Black Panther cool, the way he walked, the way he swagged, the way he grooved, his sister being the smartest person on the planet, everything about it was excellence. Just talking about black excellence, you know, and even it, it went over where they're like, we have nothing that can fix this or nothing that could hold these people off. And on Avengers, they said, we do have one place that has the technology. And you hear the African drums. It was just, they now made a thing where it's like, when you hear those drums, you just don't think of the, you know, oh, uh, you know, an indigenous people or whatever. You think of this technological breakthrough that we're going to. And the first time they enter Wakanda and you see Wakanda, everyone in the theater was like, I want to go there tomorrow. <laughs> I want to be in that place. And uh, I just loved it. I thought it was an amazing film. I loved how I felt afterwards. I loved seeing people even on Halloween. Kids of all colors are coming up to me in Black Panther outfits. It's just crazy. It's just crazy people. My number one movie for all the reasons aforementioned and for all the reasons you're probably thinking in your head right now, sitting in your chair or at your job or driving is Black Panther. Well done, Steve. That's a hell of a top 10. And this is only the first. I can't wait till we get to our 20th top 10. Uh, <laughs> it's going to happen. So, Steve, before we wrap this up, I was just curious. Do you have any honorable mentions? Yes. Um, it got knocked out by Into the Spider-Verse, but my honorable mention is Sorry to Bother You. I loved Sorry to Bother You because it, had a, it wasn't only dealing with race issues, but it was also dealing with a class situation what people think of us as workers. If you're working for someone, this is how they might think of you. Um, it also, <laughs> it has the most, as Dan knows how I think, it has the most, one of the most scary <laughs> reveals of the year that I was not ready for at all. Um, and I just thought I had a lot to say. And you know what? I, it had a surprising turn of Army Hammer. I've never seen him like, oh, wait, I have. But he did a really good job. As, the thing is, he could play this part if only for his voice. He could play people like this if only for his voice. Because he has the type of voice that is just like, ugh, it's him. You know what I'm saying? He gives me the same groove, the same thing walking into the room that Jason Momoa does. He gives me that same feeling. Like, if he walks in, is your woman safe? Really? Is she? <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm, I, you know, nice to meet you. And especially in this movie, he has that thing. That whole, his, his shirt is buttoned a little bit lower under the suit than it should be. Like one button too low. He has that thing going. And you know who else would do that? Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enough about that guy. You, you'd walk in and you'd be like, that shirt is one button lower than me. But anyway, yeah, my honorable mention is, um, sorry to bother you. What's yours? I got a few, actually. I'll just go really quickly here because I know that you are rushed for time, sir. But uh, these are the ones, well, some of these anyway were ones that I struggled with keeping in the top 10. They were in there, then they weren't. Uh, I'll start off with Black Klansman. I thought Black Klansman was fantastic. I love the acting in this movie. I thought the screenplay was wonderful. Again, like I mentioned earlier, the ending scene with uh, all the video footage of, you know, fuck it, with Trump's America today and uh, the way things are going was so powerful and disturbing and uh, it really kind of put things in perspective for me. Uh, some of the references in the Make America Great Again comments that are made in the movie, the David Duke stuff. 
it made me think a lot, actually. I've seen this movie yeah. a couple times. I think it's fantastic, and I, I should have put it in, but it didn't make it. So that's an honorable mention. Uh, the movie that I actually saw the most this year, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I loved wow. it. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to the sequel. And uh, But it was just it just didn't make it. But it is an honorable mention for me. Uh, another one you'd mentioned that was in your top, and I did not get it in there, was Overlord. Uh, one of the strongest opening scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Dude. Fantastic with the plane scene. And just, yeah. just action-packed, man. Again, it was only one that I'd seen one time. I just didn't feel that it was a movie that I could truly put in my top 10. But Overlord was fantastic. Can You Ever Forgive Me was another one, man. Melissa McCarthy oh, yeah. absolutely killed this movie. And the more yeah. that I think about this movie, the more I like it. I, when I originally reviewed this movie, it was something that I just felt, oh, well, you know, Melissa McCarthy did a fantastic job. This is her strongest role ever. And I still agree with that statement. But it, as it resonates with me, even though I've only seen it one time, it's just fantastic. And uh, I recommend that anyone should see this movie. And then we have a movie that... Uh, I think it's going to get a lot of attention. It already is getting a lot of attention, but it did not make my top 10, which was A Star is Born. I think they did a fantastic job with that movie. Even though it was a remake, you know, several times over, I think Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper just knocked it out of the park. The acting was phenomenal. The soundtrack was phenomenal. And I just wanted to give that one a little bit of love. And lastly, the one that people are on the fence about, (laughs) you either hate this movie or you love this movie. I love this movie, but it didn't make my top 10. And that's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Dan. <laughs> you forgot. I. T- <laughs> you did, didn't you? That's too late, sir. You can't take it back now. And you know what that means? What? That means that you liked all those other movies better, bro. You know what? You're right. That's because what it means. When you brought up Overlord, I said that could have been in place of Terrifier, mm-hmm. but apparently it didn't make the sort of... um. Yeah. Because Terrifier came out way before yeah. Overlord did. What? Bohemian Rhapsody was so good, though. It was. It was really good. But here's the deal with Bohemian Rhapsody. When we first reviewed that movie, I was on, I had just seen it that day. And I was yes. on a high, an absolute high because of the soundtrack, which is, you know, it's phenomenal, man. It's queen. It's you queen. can't go wrong with that. Uh, the story of Freddie Mercury is something that I've always wanted to see put to screen. But watching Rami Malek play Freddie Mercury was amazing. Now, a lot of people didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. They took a lot of strong feelings with it because it's nothing like it, but much like Green Book, there was a lot of liberty taken with the story. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people said that a movie that has a sequence where you see tour dates flying across the screen and things like that that are a little bit on the cliche side, and I will give it that, shouldn't be a movie that's getting so much love, particularly at the Golden Globes or, you know, we'll see what happens with the Oscars. Uh, That didn't really bother me that much. It's just that at the end of the day, when I thought about it after a while, it just didn't seem to be one of the stronger movies in in the categories that I chose or in the, the, I couldn't place it in my top 10 is what I'm getting at. But it was a highly entertaining movie and I give it to Rami Malek. He played a fantastic Freddie Mercury. I really would have liked to seen what Sasha Baron Cohen could have done with it. But since we won't get that, I don't think there's a better person to play him. Rami Malek killed it in this movie. So that's why I give that one an honorable mention. Dope. Um, All of those are real. Bohemian Rhapsody was a shocking one that didn't even... Because I love that movie. But it just didn't hit my top 10 at all. Um, Mind you... And I, it should have been on mine because I'm the ma- I'm, I'm just the biggest Freddie Mercury fan. But again, Rami Malek, Rami Malek did an amazing job, but you're totally right. Apparently, these other things sat with me longer. I mean, when I looked at the list, there's nothing I could take off for it. 
There's nothing I could take off for that movie. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, it's it's we both liked the movie, but I think that uh, it's not often I make a lot of sense, but I'm thinking I'm making pretty good sense on that one. If it didn't come automatically, you would be putting it in for the purposes of just the show or to be in the conversation. You know what I mean? Oh, no question. Up- I mean, I could have substituted it for Upgrade, but Upgrade was so good, so different for me. Yep, it was original. And I was just like, no, it was such an original idea. And they stuck the landing. So, uh, you know, and they did on Bohemian Rhapsody, but, you know, I just couldn't take it. I feel, yeah, yes, you're totally right. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie, but it didn't make my top, top 10. So that's it. Speaking of Upgrade, that actually was in my honorable mentions. It started off in my top 10 and worked its way to its honorable mentions. But since I'm looking at my list, I just realized I left it off there. But Upgrade was fantastic. Great movie. Check it out. Dope. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end, people. Let me tell you something. Uh, first of all, let's applaud Dan because he does a lot of hard work. He does a lot of the sound effects. He does all the editing. So yet again, he's going to kill this show because he's dope like that. It's been an honor again to chill with my boy. As normal, and then to chill with you folks. It's been a pleasure as normal. I love you. This is our top 10. The next show is going to be the noisies. Yes. Y'all ain't ready for the noisies. It's going to be fantastic. We've actually invented different uh, categories. We're going to be killing it. It's going to be great as normal. Dan's going to bring the heat, and I'm going to bring the fire. I'm out of here. The next voice you're going to hear is Dan's. I love you, people. Salute, and enjoy this wonderful day. Peace. Thank you, Steve. Yes, guys, I cannot wait to bring you the Noisies, the first annual Heroes of Noise Awards podcast that we're calling the Noisies. I'm going to put some work into this one here. So whatever we get, trust me, I worked hard on it. And of course, Steve's always going to bring that fire because that's what he does. But uh, we can't wait to bring that one to you. That's coming a week from now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our top 10. This is officially our first show of 2019 and we look forward to the year that we're going to bring for you and we look forward to hearing from you guys so if you have anything that you want to say to us please again hit us up at heroes of noise podcast at gmail.com that's heroes of noise podcast at gmail.com go to our website leave us a voicemail blah 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 you know how it works guys ladies and gentlemen i'm dan ramirez be good to yourselves be good to the people around you take care of yourselves and have a fantastic week we will see you soon peace (laughs) 